0: It is so good to see you. One, this great, getting to see the celebration of life change has been happening here. Could we give the Lord a hand just for what he's doing? All him. We're so thankful to get to be a part of such an awesome movement of God. And uh, this morning, we're going to continue this series we started a couple of weeks ago, the Great Date Your Mate experiment. And I hope that you're actually doing the experiment. You're going on dates. Some of you, we've had even people admitting it's been years since we've actually gone on a date. I mean, we kind of like just hang out and watch TV, that's not really much of a date, but really being intentional about connecting and spending time together. And of course, these dates, you'll get another one on the way out today, and I encourage you to take it and go do it and uh, ask those questions. You don't have to do all of it. It's a suggestion. It's just some fun stuff to try. It's an experiment, right? That's why we call it an experiment. We just want you to get out, have fun together, and just kind of rekindle and remember what it was like when you were younger, like that's part of why we're sharing some of these beautiful stories of folks that have been together for 60, 70 years, how are they doing it? And there are some unchangeable principles of God that if we will implement, they will work for us. They will bless our life. God gave them to us so they'd be a blessing. When we disobey them, even if it's unintentional, we pay the price. And so we want to talk about how do we leverage God's wisdom in a relationship with him to make these relationships that are so critical and important to us and the future of our families, how do we make them better? How do we make them last a lifetime in a day when few people are able to do that? So to get started today, I want us to ask a critical question that I think you've either asked before or you know somebody who has, or maybe you've scratched your head over this question, and we're going to talk about it today because it is a big one that's not going away. It's in our culture, and many people have no idea how to answer this question. Here's the question we're going to start with today. Why do people who swore to love each other more than anyone else on earth end up hating each other more than anyone else on earth? Isn't that bizarre? Isn't that crazy? I mean, think about that for a minute. It happens every single day in this country and every country in the world. It is crazy, isn't it? It doesn't seem to make any sense at all. How does that happen? and, and i 've talked to so many guys that have been through this process of I hate her i don't want to be with her I, in particular now there's women on the other end of that equation that are feeling the same way, but most of my my conversations have been with men and i 'll ask them well, well don't you still love her I mean you committed to love her for a lifetime you like you you were crazy about her not even that long ago like why what happened and the response is usually well, it's, it's complicated, it got difficult, it's hard to explain, and if, if I came back, and, and they would even go on to say, well, we, we just agreed that we need to part ways, we'll find other people, we'll find other people to love, and, and even if I say to this guy, Hey, I can prove it to you that if you will stay together and learn to work this out, it will save you tons of time, money, okay? Usually that'll get their attention. Money and energy, it'll save you tons of this. They'll look at me and smile and say, yeah, it's just not that simple, right? It's just not that, it's, you're making it sound way simpler than it really is. And today we're going to talk about why it's not that simple. Why is that? And the answer to why is that and why is this is because of something going on in our hearts. We're going to talk about how that is and how that works and what can we do about it starting today. And as we talk about this, let me just say, it would be so much easier to stay in love for a lifetime if we all came into marriage with a heart full of good stuff like we were given everything we needed to be emotionally healthy we had no you know leftover anger issues we don't have any jealousy we weren't oversensitive about anything wouldn't that be great but we don't get that benefit we all have some baggage that we're we have in tow that we're bringing you may not even know it's back there but it's back there okay you're bringing it with you into marriage and we all do that and With that in mind, I want to introduce you to a couple, really cute couple, maybe you've seen them before, Mr. and Mrs. Mug, okay? Aren't they cute? It's like they're a couple that was just made for each other, like this week, okay? Um, (laughs) Let me tell you something about their story, because this is really, you're going to love this, okay? It's really cute. Mr. and Mrs. Mug, they met right after college. Okay, it was one of her friends that set them up. It's a really cute story, they'll have to tell you about it sometime. But anyway, they started dating and uh, they were really careful emotionally with each other all through the dating process, all through engagement, treat each other with all this respect and just kindness, you know, just dripping with, with niceness, you know. Then they get married, and sometime over that first year of marriage, they had their first big bump. Oh, yeah, this big fight, and all this stuff came out that had never come out before. They said things, did things that they had never seen in each other, and he looks at her, and he says, where did all that come from? And she's like, seriously, you have anger issues, okay? And (laughs) she goes and talks to her sister and her mom, and he goes and talks to his buddies, all right? they have this conversation, they come back together. And when they return after talking to the wisest people they know, they come back and say, yeah, I know why this came out of me, because of you. I've been in a lot of friendships and relationships, and it's never come out before. Now that I'm with you, it's all come out. It must be your fault. But I want to tell you a little insight that Mr. and Mrs. Mugg learned later in life, and I'm going to tell you up front. The reason it came out of them is because it was inside of them. I know, it's pretty deep, right? (laughs) Let me explain what I'm talking about here. Because Jesus talked about this very same thing over in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. Here's what Jesus said. He said, and if you would, let's read this highlighted word together. He says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. In other words, your mouth is a withdrawal from the bank account of your heart. What comes out of you in terms of your, your verbal response to whatever happens, it comes out because that is what is inside of you. And every single one of us has to come to terms with what is inside of us. Now, romantic love is an interesting thing because romantic love has a way of bringing out the best in us and it brings out the worst in us because it touches us, connects to us to the deepest level of who we are like nothing else on this earth. And it can cause us, when that bad stuff comes out, to look at the other person and say, it's your fault. You're the reason why all this mess came out. You are the reason why this came out. And the the scary thing about about love and about being in romantic love is that many times you don't know what all is inside of you until you are bumped. You don't know until you go through a bump, and sometimes it's not always a romantic relationship, maybe it's a best friend or it's a roommate or it's a coworker or even with a boss or a mom or dad or a sister or brother, somebody who bumps you, somebody who's close to you, somebody that knows you, and it brings all this stuff out. And it's kind of scary. And when that scary thing happens and that stuff comes out, we don't want to say that was us. We don't want to own it. We don't want to admit it. So we blame it. We point at the other person and we say, that couldn't have been me because I haven't seen that before or I haven't seen it in a long time. That had to be you that caused that in me. So the big question we're left with is what do we do about this? Because this dilemma that I'm talking about right now is ripping marriages apart at a rapid rate. It's ripping marriages apart because they have these bumps. They don't deal with it. They point at the other person, say, it must be your fault. And then they assume, well, then I must be with the wrong person because look what you bring out of me. So they go find another partner and guess what? They get bumped and the same junk comes out and they say, oh, I must be a bad picker. My picker's broken. Have you heard somebody say this? That's crazy. What's happening is you're not dealing with your junk. You're not dealing with what's in your own heart. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Because we turn to the Old Testament book of Proverbs chapter 4. This is a really beautiful chapter because here's where one of the two most famous kings in Israel's history. You had King David and his son, King Solomon. And King Solomon uh, and his daddy were the most successful and wealthy kings in Israel's history. And Solomon here in chapter 4 is saying, let me share with you, my children, he's talking to his own children, he says, let me share with you wisdom that God has given me through my daddy. And I had a very wise daddy. And I, I want to share with you what he taught me. Now, you may have not have grown up with super wise parents. You say, I kind of tolerated them more than I learned wisdom from them. And I just tried to unlearn a lot of the stuff they taught me. If that's the case, you get to learn from Papa Solomon today. Okay, Just consider like you're one of his kids and he's teaching this to you. Okay, This is incredible wisdom. Not only for your relationships, your marriage, but for every aspect of your life. Here's what he says, chapter four. We're gonna look at verse 23, and here's what he says. Let's read the highlighted words together. He says, Above all else, like above everything, like if you forget everything else I taught you, remember this. And here's what he says one, two, three guard your heart, to guard, to monitor, to limit access, both in and out of your heart, to watch. What is going on inside of your heart? And what was the heart? The heart was the seat of the emotions, your feelings, your desires, what you adored, what you went after in this life, what what you're passionate about. He says, guard your heart. Treat almost like treat your heart like it's a little child that needs to be parented. Don't give your heart everything at once, it'll destroy you, okay? This is like Solomon's advice. He's saying, I want you to guard. You've got to pay close attention, not to everybody, but your heart, to pay close attention to your heart. In other words, when you have one of these bumps like this, Papa Solomon would say, right after that, the question you ought to be asking, not about them, but about yourself, what does this say about my heart? What does this reveal about what's going on inside of me? Because our knee-jerk reaction, human response is, this wasn't me, this was you. This isn't me, this is, you brought this out of me. This is your fault. And, and if you continue to do that, essentially what you're doing is you're saying that my behavior and my happiness as a human being is attached to and dependent upon your behavior. That my happiness, I don't want you to miss this, this is so incredibly important because this really helps you to understand the rest of this message today. It's it's people, because people do this all the time. They think in their mind, okay, this wasn't me, this was you. So, in other words, what I'm admitting is that my happiness and my behavior is dependent upon you and your behavior, how you act. Therein, into that little philosophy of relationships, has a huge problem, a huge fault that tears marriages apart all the, pro- all, the, all the time. Now, let me tell you why that is. Is that the moment that we assume that my happiness and my behavior is dependent upon your behavior, now, immediately, this is just how human beings work. This is our sociology, psychology, is that now I'm going to try to devise and create strategies to control your behavior. Why? Because I want to be happy, and so do you. So if I can get you to do what I want, I'm going to be happier. That's what I think. And I may never say it out loud. I may never never even articulate it to another person like that, but that is the thought process. But the problem is, this is a huge problem. Nobody, and I mean nobody, likes to be controlled or manipulated, right? 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 Like, how many of you would say, I would love, like, more than anything, to be in a relationship where somebody's controlling and manipulating me all the time, right? Like, I'm glad there's no hands going up, because the, you need help. We need to get you some help. Like, you're messed up, and, and, and we need to admit that, and let's get you. Nobody wants that. You shouldn't want that. That, that shows that you're, yeah, you, there's some sickness inside. It needs to be addressed. And Nobody likes that, and if you do that and you subject another person to that, you will destroy the relationship. You will push them away. You won't pull them closer because nobody likes to be controlled or manipulated. Nobody. What I'm saying to you is this. Your happiness has more to do with your heart. Please don't miss this today. has more to do with your heart than it does the behavior of your spouse. Your, behavior, your happiness, are Don't you want to be happy? Everybody wants to be happy. Oh my gosh, we're addicted to that in our culture today. We want to be happy. But if you want to, you have to deal with what is in your heart. You have to own it. I mean, extreme ownership of your own junk in your own heart. This is the only way you get to stay in love. This is the only way you stay together. Solomon goes on to say in verse 23, Let me read the first part again. He says, above all else, guard your heart. Why? Why should we do that, Papa Solomon? For it, let's say it together, for it determines the course of your life. Oh, is that all? (laughs) It It determines the course of your life, the ultimate destiny of your life, what your life will amount to in the end. And wouldn't we all agree that your marriage is a part of your life? It falls under that category. Every relationship, every friendship, your work relationship, your career, everything falls under that category, and if you don't deal with what's in your heart, you're going to wind up messing up these relationships. You'll push them away because you're trying to manipulate them. You're trying to cause them to do. You're trying to strategize to control these people, and even your workplace is filled with relationships. If you have bad relationships at work, you won't be working there long, will you? They'll fire you. Everywhere you go, this is important. Your marriage, your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your family, with your friends, at church, small group, everywhere. We gotta own our stuff. It's so incredibly important. And owning our stuff means that we stop pointing the finger and we begin to say, what is it in me that needs to change? What is it in me that needs to change? Put it another way, if you spend more time Monitoring their behavior, then guarding your heart, you won't stay in love. I see this every single day, and so do you, by the way. You see it too. You see, this is, this is God's immutable, unchangeable truth. That for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Guard your heart, for it determines the course of your life. Look at what is in your heart. Jesus is saying, Solomon is saying, over and over Look at what's in your heart. Don't ignore this. It's so powerful and it's so life-changing to guard your heart. And many times we want to pass it off on someone else, point at someone else. But isn't it true that there have been times where your spouse has looked at you and said, listen, it doesn't seem like anything I can do will make you happy. Nothing I do seems to please you. And like it puts you on a defensive, like anytime I'm mean, We all get defensive when somebody says something like that. But a little part of you says, you know what, that's true. Because my happiness cannot be dependent upon their behavior. It cannot be dependent upon monitoring their behavior. The moment that I pin my happiness and my behavior on their behavior, I will never be a happy man, ever. Because that's not where it comes from. It comes from what God is doing in here. It comes from in here. And we pin it on people and circumstances and situations. And that's why we try to control all of that, because we think that's gonna derive my happiness. That's gonna make me fulfill, fulfilled, and I'm finally gonna have enough and be enough, and my relationships will be fulfilling enough. And even beyond that, I'll be successful enough and I'll have enough and I can buy enough and I can own enough. And I and that's not where it comes from. It comes from in here. And it's high time that we back up and say, listen. God, help me to see what is messed up in here and help me to begin to deal with what is in here. Because if I want it to be made right, I've got to learn to begin to work on that. Because if I just assume it's the wrong person, then I will get a new person in. Guess what? I bump with the next person, same junk comes out. Same junk, another person. Same junk, next person. And this is how a lot of people live their lives, because they never deal with what is on the inside of them. But if we truly want to be able to get free of this and to be able to move on, we have to be willing to understand and control, with God's help, what is on the inside of us. So here's the big question that we're going to ask next. How? How do we do this? How do we guard our hearts? This is such an important part of this this message and being able to apply it and go home, be able to do this and put it in practice in your marriage starting today. I'm going to give you two steps, very simple. And essentially what Solomon is having us do, you've heard the old saying that uh, think before you speak. Well, Solomon is simply saying, I want you to think about how you feel before you speak. I want you to think about what's going on in your heart, the, the seat of your emotions and your desires before it comes out of your mouth. So here's the first step. Name what you're feeling. The next time your spouse upsets you, frustrates you, ticks you off, okay, I want you to think about it. Pause for a minute and think about what is happening inside of me. There's this reoccurring thing that's been happening in your marriage. It's happened more than once, and it's not going away. And you guys have dealt with it before. And there may be two. You may be saying, oh, there's like three or four things like that in my marriage. And I need to just pick one of them for right now, okay? Because this is going to be a process, and it won't be easy, but it's totally worth it. Totally worth it. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. That when that thing happens, to make time to talk, to make time to sit down, and guys, just so you know, this is not intended to be like a you know four-hour talk, okay? This is intended to be able to talk specifically about what's going on. But to be able to name what is that thing that's exploding and coming out, what is that? And I've given you a list here, and I've even given you a blank, do you fill in where maybe I'm not named it yet, but maybe it's anger, maybe it's resentment. Maybe it's feeling left out. You know, my girls have introduced me to FOMO, fear of missing out, right? Maybe you're feeling a little FOMO. Maybe it's pride. It's ego got bruised a little bit. Uh, it's you're embarrassed. You're unappreciated. You feel ugly, unlovable, like a failure. You feel old. I feel old sometimes, right? We all feel all stupid, lonely, abandoned, scared, out of control, Maybe it's betrayed, picked on. This is one that Leslie used to talk to me about early in our marriage because I grew up with all brothers. That's how we show love is to pick on one another. Guys, I didn't know girls don't like that when you pick on them, okay? (laughs) But when I understood that, I'm like, okay, I can stop that. That's doable, right? Okay. Jealous, disrespected, insecure. You fill in the blank. I probably didn't name yours. But you identify what is that thing that's happening inside of me. And here's where the the power of this begins to happen. And there's almost no way I can overstate how powerful, how life-changing this can be for you. Step number two is to say it aloud. To say it aloud. I've seen this in my own life. I've seen it in other people. There is something so powerful about naming what you've been struggling with on the inside of you. This sounds like I'm over-spiritualizing this, but I promise you it is powerful if you'll begin to do it. It's like dragging that emotion out of this dark place, back in the dark corner of who you are, and dragging it out into the light. Something about exposing it to the light and talking about it, it loses power over your life. It is crazy how it works. I'm telling you, you've got to try this. You have to. This is a part of guarding your heart. This is about being honest about what's in your heart. And when you bring it out in the open, you begin to talk about it. And here's what I've seen happen to me. It's happened to many other people. Many times, it will all by itself will reveal its origin. Like you go, oh, feeling out of control? That actually isn't... Your fault, like I got that all growing up. I felt like my life was out of control all the time. And sometimes, when you do certain things, it brings all that feeling back. That's actually not your fault, that's something way back here. And I need to ask for God's help. And I was believing a lie, and I need to replace the lie with the truth. And once people do that, then they go, I'm free. All of a sudden, like the shackles fall off. I'm like a new man, I'm a new woman. I'm like, I'm, I'm totally, it's crazy. I've been living under this deception all this time and it's been bringing all this junk out and it's been destroying my relationships because I've been believing a lie and now I'm trusting in God's truth and it's changing me on the inside which means it changes my relationships, how I connect with and relate to my spouse and my friends and my coworkers. and It's crazy how it can change everything. And I want to encourage you to begin to take the time to talk about this. And when you talk about it, let me give you a phrase to say, just to make it as clear and concise as possible. It's simply saying, when you, this is you talking to your spouse or a close friend or anybody that you need to have this conversation with, when you, and you put the behavior in here, when they say certain things, do certain things, it makes me feel, and you put the, the emotion in there. And sometimes you may need many words. For, some, for Sometimes I don't have just one word for how I'm feeling. Like it's kind of like this, it's kind of like that, it's kind of, but it's just weird. And, it, and I don't like when I feel like this. And, and I, I need your help to kind of understand this. And, and let me just tell you, when you share something like this with someone else, I want to encourage you to describe your feelings, not express your feelings. And let me tell you the difference. Expressing is like exploding your feelings all over them. And this is going to take some self-discipline because when you start talking about things that are deep down inside of you, it's, it's hard not to get a little emotional. So I'm just telling you, take a breath, calm yourself, and to speak as clearly and calmly as possible when you share this statement with somebody. Because if you're coming off angry and accusatory and mean, this is the conversation is going to shut down quick. So if you will describe, not express, it will go a long way with whoever you're talking with. So powerful. Now, if you're on the receiving end, let me talk about being the receiver of a statement like this. Because let's be honest, when you hear somebody else attach a feeling to one of your behaviors, it's going to evoke some feeling in you. And you need to guard your own heart in that moment because you're on the receiving end. Let me tell you what not to say when your spouse shares something like this. Don't go, well, it sucks to be you. Now, don't say that. (laughs) Don't say, you shouldn't feel like that or that's stupid. I don't know why you feel like that. Don't just, don't just undercut them and invalidate what they're feeling. Because they're, they're trying to help you to see, I'm not even sure why, but this is how I'm feeling. What you need to say is, thank you so much for telling me. Now we can work on this. Now we can come together. I mean, that's what good marriages do. That's what wise people who guard their hearts and follow what God wants for marriage and love each other the way Jesus taught us to love, to love each other well. They say, hey, let's work together. There's a middle ground. This is not that difficult. We can figure this out. We don't have to call, call, you know, throw in the towel and call it quits over something like this. We can work through this. And you know what? We'll be closer and we'll be stronger because of it. And that's what we're gonna do. That's what we're gonna choose to do. So, my question for you today is what do you need to talk to your spouse about today? Where do you need to have a conversation? And maybe you replace spouse with a best friend, a roommate co-worker, a mom, dad, a brother, sister, somebody where it's just been strained and it's been difficult. And you might even want to have them watch this message online. We're going to have it online in a couple of days. Watch it before you have the conversation so they kind of know where you're coming from. And maybe having that conversation could maybe once and for all lift the burden, the stress, the strain, the estrangement that's happened between you and them for years It might be an incredible breakthrough for you just by you learning to guard your own heart and own your own stuff and going to another person and talking to them about it. so incredibly important to stop blaming and start owning it. So both of those are important, their behavior and what's happening in your heart. It's just that one of them, us, is widely overlooked and hardly ever addressed. And today's the day we need to begin to guard our heart because it determines the course of our life and our marriages. Here's the application prayer. I want you to pray with me today. It's simply saying, Jesus, please forgive me for blaming others for what is in my heart. Like, we do this all the time. I do this sometimes. We all do this. Help me to own it and talk to my spouse about it. Or you may replace spouse with a friend, a brother, sister, co-worker, roommate. Help me to talk to them. Please forgive me. This is telling the Lord, please forgive me for the sin in my heart. And a part of extreme ownership of what's going on in our own heart is to ask for forgiveness from God and from other people for what we've done and said. The times where we bumped into them and we need to own our part of it and we need to ask for forgiveness. This is part of the answer to this prayer. is saying, God, help me to have the courage to go out and do it.